0: We are continuing on in our message series where we're talking about prayer and what specifically what it means to be a praying church, not just a church who prays, I think all churches pray, but but a church that is defined by prayer, that prayer is central to who we are, how we operate, um, how we seek the Lord, knowing that we're not operating in our own strength or power, but instead it's God's power in which uh, we are seeking to live and to move, and and to serve, and and so we're talking about, last week we talked about praying for God's protection, and today we want to talk about praying for God's power. We believe that, that when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and thus that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is real in my life, is real in your life, is real in our church. We believe in this power so much, and we believe that we should be asking God for it, to empower us. We seek to be equipped for the things that He calls us to do as, as individuals and as a church uh, together. We know that, that this can only happen by God's power. And, and we know that when God moves in power, it's, it's not just simply because we asked. I mean, God can do whatever God wants to do. And just because I ask for something doesn't mean it has to happen, of course. God's God, I'm not. But we also know that that we see countless times in the Bible where people pray and God moves. God acts in power. And we're gonna look at a story in a few minutes about that, how God moved in powerful ways, in fact, so powerfully that He even surprised the members of the early church that had been praying. So when we pray, we're not trying to manipulate God. No, we're trying to step right into the midst of God's will and to say, more, Lord, would you do more, more in our lives, more in our church, more in our families, more in our world. We want more of your power and your strength. And it's an amazing thing when you think about the fact that we are, that we have the power of God within us, the Holy Spirit within us. I mean, this is the same power that was there at creation, right? Hovering over the surfaces of the water. The same power, like I said, that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives within me and you. And it's a pretty incredible thing when you think about it. Like, if we think about something in our own world, let's say, let's think about food. We all like food, right? Um, let Think about, like, the best food experience possible, right? Let's say that you went to this restaurant and it was, like, this buffet of, like, all your favorite stuff right and you can eat however much you want to eat we don't encourage gluttony however in this situation you can eat whatever you want to eat right and there's all the good stuff all your favorite things in fact shout them out a couple of them what would be something that's your favorite what would be there what would it be yep good stuff yep others Fried chicken, I heard that at Salem as well just now, yep, popular item today, yep, absolutely. So many good things, right? You know, you, folks watching online, you can comment to your friends at home there. Uh, what, you know, these, it would be an awesome experience. And you just wanna eat and enjoy it and all that stuff, sit at beautiful tables and everything. Now imagine that you walked into this place and you looked around and you saw it all, and then you went and you sat down over in a corner and instead of grabbing a plate, you reach in your pocket and you pulled out a bag of uh, goldfish crackers and just started snacking, right? That would be dumb, wouldn't it? Uh, you're surrounded by like the best foods. You can imagine your favorite things. You can eat all you want and you're going to eat crackers. Come on. I mean, save the crackers for later, right? How many times do we do this with the power of God? We're connected through the power of the, whole, with the, power of the Holy Spirit, we're connected with Almighty God, but so many times we don't ask, we don't seek it. Jesus said that we should ask, we should seek, we should knock to everyone who asks, receives. And, and, and I think that it's a, it's a good opportunity to remind ourselves of just how important it is to pray for God's power because I believe that when we pray for God's power, we experience God's power. So why don't we do it? Well, for some of us, maybe we just don't make prayer a routine part of our lives, if we're honest. And maybe here early in the year, that could be one of the best spiritual changes you could make, that if you set aside a time each day, uh, I don't care, start with two minutes, start somewhere, set aside a time each day and say, Lord, I just want to seek you, I want to pray to you in this time. That, That could be a really powerful thing in your own life. I wonder if sometimes we don't pray for God's power because we get a little scared. Maybe we've done this before, and we've prayed for God's power, we've prayed for something big, and quite frankly, we didn't get what we asked for. And maybe we felt like less spiritual, like, well, God only listens to like the super spiritual people, and clearly I've been put in like the lower category. Or maybe for us we just felt disappointed or angry with god well friends i i get it I've, I've prayed for stuff too that i haven't always received it's true for i think all followers of jesus because if i got everything that i received well then i or that i asked for then i would be god right and i'm not god and so i'm not always going to get everything i ask but that shouldn't stop me from praying. I mean, don't you remember Jesus in the garden said, Lord, if it be possible, take this cup from me, right? Let it pass. Even Jesus didn't always get everything he prayed for. But that doesn't mean we should stop praying. We're not praying to manipulate God. We're praying that we may draw close to God, that we may be in relationship with God, that we may experience God's power, God's movement in our lives. That's, that's why we pray that's why we pray. We just need to reach out by faith and ask him to touch our lives, our church, our city, our nation. We need to ask for specific things. We need to ask for God's to power, for God's authority, for God to move in and through us. I want to share a story with you from the early church, and it comes at a really difficult time for the church. What's happened here is that Jesus has come down to earth. He's had his earthly ministry. He he died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Then at Pentecost, he sent the Holy Spirit, which which fell upon the believers in power. The church was growing radically. They were seeing miracles, signs, and wonders, so many good things that, that thousands were coming to know the Lord. But it created a problem for the Jewish leaders, the ones who had literally had Jesus killed became a problem for them, and they were seeking the help of the Roman power, and, and, and they were, it was not a good time for the church. They began to be persecuted, threatened by some of the most powerful people out there. We're gonna read about the actions of a guy named King Herod. You might remember the name Herod from when Jesus was a baby. Well, this is a later Herod. Same evil family, same dumb stuff, but another Herod here in the story. There's multiple ones of them in the Bible. And here's what this Herod is up to. Acts chapter 12, verse one. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this was met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, He had Peter put in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squadrons of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. And so like the earlier Herod, this Herod feels threatened by Jesus. Threatened by this power, threatened by the power of God coming to this earth. And so he fights against it. He fights against it. Herod decides to arrest James. You remember James and John, sons of, sons of Zebedee. Jesus called them sons of thunder, right? These were Jesus' disciples. He arrests James and he has him killed. It's persecution, it's murder. Why does he do it? Popularity with the Jews. He does this, he gets the thumbs up from the Jewish leaders, he's, start, he's starting to soar in the polling, right? And he's like, I should do this again, right? This is an easy way to get the people to like me more. So he goes after maybe even, even, even bigger fish, he goes after Peter. He has Peter arrested, and it's, it's during this festival, so we can't put him on trial now, but as soon as the festival ends, we're going to have round two here, Right? Well, we're going, to, we're going to try another Christian, and we're going to have him put to death. Peter's in a really difficult place. It says that 16 Roman soldiers, they would have rotated, but there were 16 of them assigned. Typically, that would be four at a time on a rotation minimum. And their job is just to guard Peter inside of this prison, okay? He's already in a prison, but we need now this 16 soldiers to be after him. So this is like, seriously, this is like the ancient Roman version of like Supermax, right? You know, you think of a place you can't get out of, this would be it. You're in a prison, 16 Roman soldiers are assigned to guard you. And by the way, in the Roman army, if you're assigned to guard somebody and they get out, you get the same punishment that they were going to get. So you got 16 guys whose lives are literally on the line to keep Peter in prison. If you're the early church, there's no hope. Peter is toast. There's there's nothing we can do to get him out of there. The, The only thing we could do, the only thing we could do is pray. And so that's what they did. We talked about how prayer, it shouldn't just be our last resort. It should be our first response. But you know, it's fine. It's good. It's essential to pray when we feel desperate. We all have times like this where there seems to be no hope. Where from a human, earthly standpoint, there's not a chance, not a hope. That's what Peter and the early church were facing now. For Peter, it was life-threatening. For the, other, for the rest of the church, it was threatening to their movement. I mean, after all, this is, the, this is one of Jesus' greatest disciples. This is one of the greatest leaders. This is the one of whom it was said, on this rock, I'll build my church. That's what Jesus said and now this rock is imprisoned. What's, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They prayed and, and they felt desperate. God, we, we can't save our brother Peter. We, we can't get him out of there. We need your help. We need your, you to move. We need more of your power. We need more of your strength. We need you to do what only you can do. Prayer gave the early church power for miracles, signs, and wonders. God's going to answer. He's going to move in power. So, so buckle up. We're going to see God in power, showing up and showing off. Acts 12, 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So right there in his little dungeon, right, you got two of them he's chained to, two of them at the door, and this is in the middle of a big prison already. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone into the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. "Is that normal angel protocol for waking up?" <laughs> it's a little harsh. "Quick, get up." And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, "Put on your clothes and sandals." Peter did so. "Wrap your cloak around you and follow me," the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea. That what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought it was a vision. You ever had a dream like that? It's so good. It's like the best dream ever, right? You know, and life is awesome. And then you 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 start to wake up, and you're like, oh no, come on, like that 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 had to, that. Oh, it's a dream. Dang it. You know. Well, here's Peter. He's like setting low expectations, right? He's being led out of this prison, and he's like. That's got to be a dream. <laughs> That's got to be a dream. And isn't this incredible? Because you have to know Peter was praying to be saved, right? His life is on the line here. He's certainly a person of prayer. And Peter, of all people, should know God does this stuff, right? Right? I mean this is Peter the guy who like walked on water one time right this is Peter the one who saw Jesus feed the 5000 he helped pass out the food collect the leftovers right this is this is Peter the one who the Holy Spirit came down upon him. He preached 3,000 people get saved in one day. That's a miracle. This is Peter who went to the temple and they see the lame man there and they're like, hey, we don't have any money, but here's what we got. You're gonna stand up in the power of Jesus Christ, right? And he did. Boom, just like that. Peter knows. He knows God can move. He knows God can act. He knows God can do miracles, He's experiencing a miracle hmm, must be a dream we all get there sometimes don't we we pray for things but we're not Oh man i don't know i don't know if that's really going to happen i guess i should probably pray because sure that's probably the right thing to do but we don't really expect anything if peter can get there we can too Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you came here and you're like, ah, oh, series on prayer. I've heard that before. Okay, well, we'll do it. I don't know though. What if God wanted to move in your life? What if God, what if God is waiting for you to, to sincerely pray to seek him? What if God wants to move in our church in ways that I don't understand? I don't know, that are ways much bigger than I could ever dream of or plan. What if? We're, as a staff, we're in the middle of this fast for 21 days, right? Because we just are asking God to do what God wants to do, to show himself to us, to move in our midst. And, and get, we, we don't know what that means. We don't have this all like, you know, clearly defined. We just want to be faithful because that's our job. <laughs> and we know that if anything good happens, when good things happen, it's going to be God's power. Nobody's going to look at us and say, wow, they're incredible. Nope, that's not going to happen. It's going to be God's power, not ours. And if you're in a place where you've kind of given up hope, you're kind of like Peter, not really expecting much, maybe open your mind a little bit to the idea that that God can and does move in your life, in our church, in our world today. Verse 10. They passed through the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened then by itself, and they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Wow, the prayers are going up from Peter, from the church, and the angel comes down and leads him out, leads him right out. The chains fall off of him through these various sets of guards. The big old door in the front of the prison, it opens. They walk right out the door, walk down the road, and the angel's gone. Peter realizes once again God has moved in power in his life. Acts 1.8, Jesus promised, you will, see, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's just what Peter received. He was set free. And this is what our God does. Our God is a God who sets people free. Jesus left heaven. He came down to earth to set us free. You don't have to be chained up by sin anymore. You don't have to live in that stuff You don't have to to be ruled by these things. You don't have to be chained up by your unforgiveness. You don't have to be chained up by your brokenness. You don't have to be chained up from those hurts of the past. God wants to set you free. So I believe in the power of prayer. I've seen it way too many times. I've seen it way too many times to not believe. I believe that God wants to give us freedom. You don't owe Satan anything. Jesus defeated him at the cross. He bought you out of all your guilt and shame. We want you to be free, no longer shackled by sin. Like Peter, those chains of oppression can fall off through the power of God and the Holy Spirit. So Peter's been let out of prison let out in the, at night in the middle of a street, right? So now he's got to do something because I guess he's kind of a fugitive now and it's dark and he's outside. So where does he go? Well, he goes to where the church is gonna be and the church is meeting at this time, presumably praying for Peter, right? That's what they're doing. Verse 12, when this dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. They're desperate. They're desperate with what's going on here. They're praying through the night. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. Yeah if you're Peter like you can't make this up right like seriously an angel leads me out of a supermax prison and Rhoda won't open the door come on Rhoda you had one job let me in the house So what does he do? He keeps on knocking, right? He's got to get off the street. He's a wanted man. So he keeps on knocking. Peter's out here pounding at the door. And the people who are inside praying for his release, Rhoda comes and tells them, Peter's outside, right? It's like an answer to prayer. And what do they say? Nope. No way. You're out of your mind, verse 15 when she kept in insisting that it was so, they said, It must be his angel. That's just stupid. You've got to be kidding me. But Peter kept on knocking. When they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. Then he left them for another place. Wow. Isn't that incredible? God moves and it catches everybody off guard. It takes, I mean, this is the early church where they saw lots of miracle signs and wonders. And yet, even for them, when the miracle is standing right in front of them, like, no, I don't think that actually happened. I, no, he, I know we're praying, but you know where he's at. You know the Romans. They killed Jesus for crying out loud. It is what it is. Have you gotten to that point in your prayer life where you've just gotten kind of cynical? And yeah, you've seen God move, but it's probably not going to happen. But we'll pray because people want us to pray. Pastor challenges us to pray, whatever, but I, I don't know. I don't know about that stuff. Friend, if you're there, what if you take a little risk? What if you come sit at the table instead of snacking on those dumb crackers what 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 if you'd ask god to move in your life to move in our church to move in our world he does that stuff this is who god is this is who god is let me ask you this question do we expect to see god's power revealed when we pray do we expect it because here, a miracle happens, but they weren't really expecting it. What if we'd expected that God will move, that God will do this? And yeah, I get it. There'll be times we pray for stuff and it doesn't happen. That's okay. It doesn't mean you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that God isn't faithful. There's a variety of reasons why my prayers may not be answered as I want all the time. But if I only pray because I believe it's always going to be answered, it's not really faithfulness to God. That's more faithfulness to my will. And we're not really called to be faithful to our will. We're called to submit ourselves to the Lord's will. That's, that's our calling. You know, we see God move in in many ways. we talked about how uh, not that long ago here in Cincinnati, we've, we saw a powerful example on like a national stage, right? When Right here on our own field, De- DeMar Hamlin collapsed in a Monday night football game. Basically dies right there on the field and is, is brought back to life, thanks to be the God and to our amazing first responders here in Cincinnati, is taken to a great hospital, receives excellent care, and millions of people are praying for this young man. And, and I'm not thankful that it happened to him, we never want tragedy to happen, but in an instant, millions of people, are, our minds are turned from one of our favorite national forms of entertainment, suddenly to the Lord. And it's desperate. We don't want to see this young man die. We don't, we, we just, our hearts go out to him, his teammates, his family, all these kinds of things. And we were processing this all as a staff, we were talking uh, last week about this, and um, I was talking with Pastor Sue Lee, and she said, you know, I, I don't usually watch football games, which I know is a shock to you if you know her, right? <laughs> you probably think that tonight she's going to be painted up in her orange and black and all that and miss our prayer meeting. She's not. She'll be here, I promise. Uh, and we'll get our prayer meeting tonight done before the game, I promise, okay? You can come and pray for the game. That's a good thing. But But regardless, she said, I don't usually watch NFL, but I had the game on for some reason, and I saw him collapse on the field, and my heart sunk. So we've been praying for power, we've been praying for revival here in Cincinnati, we've been praying, and we've been seeing God move in many ways, and she said, you know, my heart was concerned because what if this young man dies right here, right here in our city? And so she prayed, she said, I prayed and said, no, he can't die right here, he cannot die, God, we speak life and she began to pray and and to pray in power and she said she felt like she should go down to the hospital, if you know Sue Lee, when she feels God leading her to do something, she just does it, right? So she went to bed that night, gets up the next morning and goes down to the hospital and she asked to be able to go in and and pray for him And, and she gets through the first few layers and she's out there And she's waiting for her chance to go in. Unfortunately, things are slow. There's a lot going on there, a lot of people. And so, um, get this, we have a a staff meeting scheduled. And she leaves and goes to the staff meeting. Now, I appreciate her commitment to staff meeting. I do. However, I wonder. I I don't know what would have happened if Sue Lee got in there. It's God's power, not ours. But I know, let me tell you, Sue Lee is, is more of a prayer warrior than any pastor I know. I mean, if you know her, she is fiercely committed to pray, and we've seen God move in so many powerful ways through her leadership of us in prayer, and I just, I will always wonder what would have happened if she got in that day. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the next weekend in NFL games when you saw the blue tent, you'd see something that looks like this. I wouldn't be surprised. That's all I'll say. But she goes home that day, but she's still not at peace about it. A couple days later, she goes back, but it's kind of a circus there, and, and she's not able to get in, but she, she writes a note to the family, and she says that we are praying for miraculous healing for your son. And uh, they, they told her they would take that note in. Well, it was literally later that day, that he comes back, and he writes famously, did, did we win? Now, why did God do that? I, I don't know, and certainly we're not trying to take credit for, for God's work. That would be nonsense. Millions of people are praying, but we are all so thankful just to see how God worked. And, and you know, I don't think that football is like the center of the world to God like it is sometimes to us. But I think that God loves and cares about his people. I think he knows how to speak our language. And it's easy to get cynical and be like, yeah, well, in two weeks people won't care anymore and they'll have forgotten and moved on. Well, I I don't look at it that way. I believe that any time our nation's heart is turned towards the Lord, any times that millions of people are seeking the Lord, that's a win, that's a good thing. And it's amazing to see how this impacted people around him. So as we know, that that game was canceled. It was an excellent call by the NFL. So the next week when, when the Bills are to play, you imagine what it's like to take the field again after an incident like that. The very first play of the game, the Bills are receiving the kickoff and something incredibly rare happened. They received the kickoff and they ran it all the way back for a touchdown and it's not normal, and in fact, they would come to find out that that had last happened for the Bills three years and three months earlier, and interestingly, Hamlin wears number three. They've all got three on their jersey, right? Is that a miracle coincidence? I don't know, but what I do know is it certainly is used by God to get the attention of his teammates. Here's their quarterback, Josh Allen, talking about this play and what it meant to him. I can't remember a play that touched me like that. I don't think in my life. So it's it's probably number one. What it, it it was it was just spiritual, and I just I was going around and I just I mean I was going around my team and saying God's real. Like you can't you can't draw that one up, write that one up any better. Um, and I, I was just told by Kevin Curran, it's just been three years and three months <sighs> since the last kickoff return. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, if you would have told us at the beginning of the year that quarterbacks would be testifying in post game interviews that God is real, I would have doubted it. <laughs> Put it that way. And yet here we are. I'm with Josh. I believe that God is real. I believe that when we pray, that that God moves in power. I believe that God can move as as God wills, and so I pray for God's power. I pray for God's power in my life. I pray for God's power here in our church, in our city, in our world. We need more of God's power. And And I wanna challenge you to do the same, to pray for God's power in your life, To pray for God's power in your family, to pray for God's power in our church, we need this. This church has been here serving faithfully for 200 years, not because of our own stuff, but because of the power of God. A church is not sustained for 200 years by its own power. Churches come, churches go. God's power is the only way that sustains ministry like that. And, and And God's power is what changes lives every time we celebrate a baptism, every time a child prays to accept Jesus for the first time and say, Jesus, come into my life, every time a a teen is baptized, every time a life is changed, every time a couple stands right here and promises till death do us part, God's power is at work. God's power is at work. And I'm all in on that. I'm all in, and I hope you are too, so we're just going to close this sermon up by doing what we're talking about, and that is praying for God's power. And I just encourage you, just would you just be open? Maybe for you, you want to open your hands or whatever it is, and just say, Lord, would you move in power in my life? So come, Holy Spirit. We are here for you. Whatever it is that brought us here today, we just want to pause and to seek you, and to say more, Lord, more of your power, more of your spirit, more of your movement in our lives. We want more obedience to your word and your ways. Help us to be obedient. We want more faithfulness to believe that you can and will do miracles, signs, and wonders. Give us faith, God, to trust what you say, that these aren't just some story, but this is your action in the world. We want more of your movement in our church. We want to be fully surrendered to you, not, not doing our will, not doing things our way, but surrendered to your will and your way. Give us power. Give us authority. Give us wisdom that only you can give. God, I pray I pray that by your power that you would do a work even now of breaking chains. Lord, for those today who are chained up by hurts, set them free. For those who are are chained up by disappointments and maybe we've stopped praying, we've stopped believing, we've stopped hoping, hoping, set us free, God. As you broke off Peter's chains would you break off ours for those who are chained in in unforgiveness we've been hurt in so many ways God and we've let that define us God break the chains by your power break the chains set us free God for those for those who are who are chained up by relational problems and hurts would you bring freedom would you bring wholeness would you restore these relationships as only you can do, God? We trust you and your power. God, for those who are tied up with addictions, set them free, Lord. Break the chains. You died so we could be free. And if you can lead Peter out of Roman prison, you can lead us through our addictions, through our hang-ups, through our hurts. Bring us to wholeness, God. Lord, whether it's financial, whether it's medical, whether it's relational, whatever it is, God, set us free. Free us for joyful obedience to you. For you are our Savior and our God. Lord, we give ourselves to you. You are so good, and we praise you for every act of power that we will see. We expect it, God. We pray this By the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.